Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guests who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Mamas, I'm so excited to have Annette Hines with us here today. I mean, I just adore this woman. She has a podcast of her own and she's an attorney and she has all this knowledge about being a special needs mama. And so, um, Annette, I'm really glad that you're here with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. And, you know, Laura, the love goes both ways. As you know, I loved having you on my podcast and we had a lot of fun when I got to talk to you. So we are old friends at this point. Yes, which I just, I, I think is so fun about this community. Definitely. I love to say that this is the best job being able to podcast because I just get to talk about all the things that interest me and all the things that I want to know more about. So I am the luckiest gal in the world. I know it is really fun. I'm kind of with you on that. Okay. Today, you're going to kind of educate all of us on special needs trust and the importance of them and I mean, we're going back to the basics of how is a trust different than a will and advanced directives, like what things do we need to have set up for our special needs kiddos and maybe for our kids that maybe mamas aren't considering them special needs yet, but they have Medicaid and they get services through the state from foster care or adoption, kind of all of, I mean, I realize it's a huge bucket that we could probably spend hours talking on, but I would love just to kind of do a flyover of some of those things and the importance of getting those things started. Yeah, so let's kind of start with the basics of, you know, what is a trust and a will and, you know, why do people plan? Why do people do estate planning anyway? You know, let's kind of start there. Um, Estate planning is really all about setting goals. And I don't know about you, but I'm a person who has never met a checklist that they have not loved. So that's kind of (laughs) my nature anyway. Um, When I became a special needs mom, um, I am a normally anxious person. So my anxiety ratcheted up about a hundred thousand times. So having a little bit of control over my life um, really helps me. And meeting you was like, oh my God, this is, you know, just such a sister, you know, under the skin person, because I just really need to exert some control over my life with, you know, having just some, some goals and, you know, setting some tasks and just, so planning is like that. And, you know, setting small goals to bigger goals. That's what estate planning is too. And it's really all about not just like the money in your life, but also who are the people? What's the team that you're going to put in place? You don't really need to have millions of dollars in order to think about putting an estate plan in place. And it's not just about the documents. It's really thinking about the plan. What's the plan for my family? Because really most people, their goals are all about my partner or spouse, whatever you call that person in your life, your significant other person, your partner, and your kids. You know, who are the important relevant people? And sometimes it's your pets, you know, some people really plan for their pets too. And I totally get that, believe me, because my baby, (laughs) my dog is like 
so important to me. Uh, I probably would not have made it with um, without my two dogs in my life, Lacey before and Bailey now. Um, so, you know, that's really what estate planning is all about. Yeah. Do you mind giving a hot second of context to Bailey before and Bailey now? Uh, so Lacey before was um, the dog that my kids grew up with. And so she really was the calming force for my special needs kiddo, Elizabeth, who passed away and also really kept me from losing my cool after Elizabeth died. And Bailey now really helps me with my anxiety. So um, it's really an interesting, you know, difference between them. And although not really a registered support animal, it's amazing how she knows when I am about to really lose my mind, she'll come and she will actually sit up on my chest and help me, you know, physically calm down. I don't know how animals just know, you know, um, my old dog, Lacey used to do that for my daughter and my current dog, Bailey does that for me. It's really cool. I love that. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just know what you were talking about. Good for you to ask. So like our plan includes what happens to Bailey if something happens to us, because I mean, my God, she's one of the family, you know? So that's what planning is all about. It's not about the millions of dollars, which we don't have, by the way. It's really all about, you know, the people and and the the family members that we want to take care of and how those things are going to happen. And yes, documents help you get there. So that's the whole idea behind estate planning. So now let's talk about those documents a little bit. So whenever I ask somebody if they, you know, what, what do you think about when, when I ask you what's an estate plan, the first thing they always say are is something to do with wills or it's something to do with taxes. They always tell me one or the other. Um, so wills definitely are part of it. And yes, sometimes taxes are part of it too. But funny, you know, Wills are really probably the least important document that most people with a special needs kiddo or a special needs person in their life are really going to, um, gonna, gonna sign. Um, a will is definitely part of your plan, but it's not gonna probably play the most important role. And just a little side note on language, by the way. I know a lot of people go back and forth with special needs versus disabled. And so um, I definitely, I have a video about this on my website. Um, A lot of parents use the term special needs and older people tend to use the term disabled. It's not um, across the board, but certainly what we would call a self-advocate you know, an older person referring to themselves would generally tend to use the word disabled. It's very helpful to ask someone if you can, you know, how they would prefer to be uh, addressed as opposed to just assuming that somebody would like to be called special needs. But when you're talking about trusts and when you're talking about planning, special needs is actually a term of art. Special needs planning and special needs trusts are actually in 
social security code and social security regulations. So I did not know that. Yeah. So when we use the term special needs trust, we are not trying to be derogatory for those of you out there who really get a little bent with that special needs term. So I just want to mention that a little side note about language. Okay. So special needs planning and special needs trusts are again, a term of art. So I am going to keep using that terminology, but please don't take it as derogatory. I will very often use special needs and disabled pretty interchangeably. Okay, so back to the whole special needs planning world. Wills, you can start with a will and you don't necessarily need a separate special needs trust document because you can have special needs trust language right in your will. But what does a will generally do? So wills generally will open what's called a probate and they will appoint somebody called an executor or a personal representative who can manage your estate after you die. They started as a way a long, long time ago, thousands of years ago, as a way for creditors, people you owed money to, to find out, get notice of your death. It was a notice statute so that they could get paid back before your heirs Mm -hmm. actually got title to your assets. (laughs) So um, when you die, somebody actually has to own your stuff, like a thing, like a piece of property, real estate, or a computer, or, you know, you know, an inanimate object, it has to have an owner. So somebody has to own that thing. Somebody has to own that car. Somebody has to own that house. And if the owner doesn't exist anymore, if they are dead, then somebody new has to own it. We have to be able to pass title, transfer the ownership to somebody new. We haven't sold it. So we have to have a mechanism for that. That's our probate process. That happens in court. Okay. So legal title passes through the probate process when somebody dies. And the will is a way for us to give notice to creditors so that they get their shot at getting paid back for debts before that property passes to the heirs. So it's still the same thing as it was set up a long time ago. It was set up a long time ago. So if I owe my neighbor $100, he gets notice in the paper that I've died. He can come and collect his $100 from my estate before my nephew inherits all my property. That's what the whole idea of probate is all about. Well, can I just be really humble and confess that I appreciate you making this as simple as possible because I've sat in many, many a room where we've talked about probate and I'm like, mm-hmm, yes, great. <laughs> I had no idea what it meant. <laughs> and well, I could have looked it up, I guess, but um, I never did. No, so. it, it's, it's really important to know that because as we get to the next step, you know, uh, which is taxes, the government is, you know, the next level of a creditor who wants to also get paid before things pass to your heirs, right? So 
in the probate process, um, not actually through probate, but as part of the, you know, process of settling your estate, they also want to get paid as well. So that's another thing that people often think about. They think about wills and they think about taxes. But there's so much more that happens in this process of settling your estate when you die. You need to really decide who's going to help and who's going to step in for family members who cannot care for themselves. And you also need to think about what happens if you're not dead, but you are unable to make decisions for yourself or for family members that you need, that you care for now. And that's where you start expanding your thinking. And that's where trusts start to come in. So trusts are just the best thing since sliced bread because they exist while you're alive. They can be funded. And so not only do they they exist while you're alive and you can fund them, but then they go on after you're dead. So they're kind of like a company that way. So they are just amazing and they can do so many things and you set them up and you give them rules to run by. So they're really great. And special needs trusts are, remember that term, they are one of the vehicles that we use to assist with people with disabilities and to help um, manage funds for their benefit. So now I'll just get into a little bit about why we use special needs trusts, if that's okay. Do you have any questions at this point? I do. I'm curious if that's why they call it a living trust. Exactly. That's right. Like 101 here that I'm just cluing into, but. Exactly. Because they, they go on, you know, they're, they, they get funded during lifetime, potentially, not necessarily. Sometimes trusts are dry and they just sit there and wait for funding. When parents die, they will get funded at death. They'll get funded through a mechanism, you know, through their will or at death. And that's okay. That happens. Sometimes they'll be funded with a life insurance policy or with a retirement account. Um, There's all kinds of ways to point to a special needs trust and fund it with assets all kinds of ways. And you'll work that out with your financial planner, hopefully. (laughs) Um, But um, you also might fund it during lifetime as well. And that's why they call them living trusts. So that's perfect. Um, Sometimes we're lucky enough to have family members like grandparents or aunts and uncles who want to gift into it during lifetime. And then you have special considerations when things like that happen. And you do want to be working with an accountant, an attorney, a financial advisor who can help you get that trust set up and and running because you do have special considerations with that. So the trust, though, you know, why do people use special needs trusts? What's so special about a special needs trust, I guess, is really the question that we want to ask ourselves. So why do you think we use special needs trusts? What's the purpose? Most people really know one of the two reasons why we use them. Yes. I w- so I was informed that if we didn't have one, 
then we, our kids, like our, our trust and all of our assets would go to all of our children. And then they would have more money than they would qualify for services. That's right. Qualify for services any longer. That's right. That's, that's the basic reason why most people want a special needs trust, because there are certain public benefits that have an asset test or an asset limit. And if you have more than that asset limit, you won't qualify for certain public benefits. Now, not everybody needs those public benefits or would qualify for those public benefits. But since we want to plan and we want to be good planners, you always want to be just in case planners. You want to have a trust just in case your person qualifies for those public benefits. So that public benefit that most people are thinking about is SSI. SSI right now has a $2,000 asset limit. That has not changed since the mid-1980s. I believe it was 1985 that that $2,000 asset limit got set, and it has not been raised. We're talking 40, almost 40 years. Can you think about what inflation has been like in the last 40 years? That's crazy. We tried so hard last year to get that raised to $10,000 and it got defeated. Defeated. So, and if you are a married couple, both on SSI, it's $3,000. It's crazy. Now, there are things that you can do to save around that, like having an ABLE account Thank goodness. ABLE accounts are great. And I do want to make sure we talk about that before we leave this topic of special needs trusts, okay? ABLE accounts are not trusts, but we will talk about that because they're so important today. And thank goodness we have them. Um, And there are definitely other things that are out there and are available to us with Social Security that help us go over that $2,000 asset limit. The other thing that's really important that has an asset test are certain Medicaid programs that are called waivers, home and community-based waiver programs, which many, many people who live in the community need. Even if you're not on SSI, but you might have a Medicaid waiver program that also has a $2,000 asset limit. And those are programs that are sometimes for people with intellectual disabilities or developmental disabilities that live in the community. So those might be people with autism, people with other developmental disabilities, or people with intellectual disabilities who live in um, community-based residential programs or who are living at home or in their own homes, but who get you know, residential supports. So it's really important to understand what benefits you're on as an adult. And even some kids programs like a Katie Beckett waiver that have different names depending on what state you're in. So it's really important to understand what type of Medicaid program you're on and if you're on SSI. So that that $2,000 asset limit, it's better to just automatically plan for being on that $2,000 asset limit, even if you're not sure. Hey, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting, like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home, or maybe you're just ready for a change. 
but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama Systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, more peaceful, and more balanced. And so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community, that you take care of yourself, your marriage, and the rest of your family, and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. And that asset limit is per person. Yes. So it's not as a family. I don't want anybody hearing this thinking like, oh, my child won't qualify for this because we have over $2,000. It's your, what's in your child's name. Correct? So typically speaking, you are planning for an adult because your child is almost certainly not going to qualify for benefits. And Laura, this is a great question because many people ask this question and they get very confused about children's benefits. And I'm so glad you asked this because what happens a lot is that people want to apply for benefits for their child, but they don't understand that parental assets are deemed to be available to their child and parental income is deemed to be available to their child. So their child will not qualify for SSI unless parents are also on any kind of state support and are living at, you know, subsistence levels, they, the child is not going to qualify for SSI. So with our adopted kiddos, they do, they don't qualify for SSI, but they do qualify because they have Medicaid until they're 18 and they also have IDD. Mm-hmm. They do qualify for waiver programs. And so yes. they're on a lot of those Medicaid waiver programs, which are so vital and they do not take into account our income. Yes. So those are different programs. So, you know, there are so many different benefit programs and it is really hard to keep track of everything. Many states have helpful advocates who are what are called sometimes benefits brokers or, you know, just different advocates in um, sometimes your local ARC will have help. It depends, you know, in every state, it's a little bit different, um, but you should really seek out support in your state for the right. Um, and it's so hard, you know, I would love to point <laughs> everybody in the right direction. Um, and absolutely, we do know a lot about most states where you can go. Um, and so you can definitely reach out to us at specialneedscompanies.com and we will absolutely point you in the right direction in your state for if you, if you don't know where to go for support, we, we answer every message, I promise, um, to try to get you in the right direction. But, um, there are advocacy programs for free in every state that will help you. Okay. So getting back to special needs trusts. And now we know one reason and the biggest reason why we use them. But there's another reason. Even if you are not on public benefits programs that have an asset test, many of our people, even if they are living in the community and have good support systems and good skills, would probably not be okay and be able to manage if, you know, half a million dollars kind of fell into their lap. 
and probably need a little additional support to manage some finances. So they probably need a trustee and they probably need some additional support for that. And having a special needs trust, just in case they ever end up on public benefits someday that have an asset test is probably a good idea. If you're gonna have a trust anyway to help manage finances, why not use a special needs trust just in case? So those are the two reasons that we use special needs trusts. Is the person who is going to be, I feel like this needs to be an eight part episode because now I have so many questions, but does the person who's going to, going to be caring for them even after they're 18, is that involved in the special needs trust or is that just involved in the regular trust? So the trustee selection process is challenging and you do have a lot of options. Picking a person who is not the guardian is a personal choice. You know, um, a lot of times the guardian is going to be a family member. Sometimes a trustee is not necessarily a family member, is not necessarily the best choice to be a family member. Running a trust as you're already getting a little bit of a sense is complicated. Trusts are complicated. And we haven't even touched on taxes and managing investments and things like that. And um, I wanted to let your, your folks know that I'm doing a free three-part webinar series on special needs trust administration in May. So not sure when this episode is actually going to air. So um, if it airs before May, um, we will, um, you know, hopefully have in the show notes the links to the webinar series. And so it'll be a three-part series and there'll be a lot more details about trust administration. And even if you are not a trustee, if you are just thinking about how to get your special needs trust drafted and who you might need to pick as trustee, you will get an idea of all the things that go into running a special needs trust when you come to this webinar series, because that will help you figure out who should I be picking as my trustee when you start thinking about distributions and managing the trust and how to do the tax returns and all of those things are, you know, they're complicated, but it's important to understand that as the person who's setting the trust up. Because I will tell you the number one person who comes into my conference room and cries and cries and cries are the siblings, not mm-hmm. the parents. It's the siblings who are invariably the guardian, the trustee, the person who is, I don't mean to say burdened, but yes, who has a lot of responsibility and always at the time of their life when their kids are, you know, just young adults and having their own families and they want to enjoy being grandparents and just, it's very hard for them. And they, they love their siblings and they're great people, but it's a lot. It's a lot, you know, and sometimes their siblings are very hard people to to deal with, you know, so it's a lot. And so I want I want the audience to think very carefully about trustee selection and is there an alternative? And there are, there are lots of professionals out there like me 
And like other, you know, banks and trust companies and other small professional companies that do this work and do a really good job. And you can have a combination of family supporters and a network of people. That's the whole idea behind having a good plan, Laura, and starting early and developing that nice little network of support that will really nest around your person, you know? I love the way that you said that. Um, and I'm like, yes, I'm like, yes, we need to make sure this is a priority because what better way to love our kids than to take that burden when they're already grieving, like to take that burden away from them by having it all planned out and and it may not seem like much of a gift, but I feel like like hearing about the siblings crying, I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't want my kids to have to to carry that by themselves. Like I would love for it to seem like I'm coming along with them and have this plan already for them. Yeah. Yeah. I I tell I've told this story a lot, but I love to tell this story of my daughter Caroline when she was younger, being in Elizabeth's room with me when I was changing her diaper. And she asked me, you know, mommy, when am I going to have to change Elizabeth's diaper? And she couldn't have been more than six, you know, and uh, it really like hit me that she was already thinking about that. And I just didn't really know what to say. You know, I just I sort of stumbled through it and just said, oh, like, you don't have to worry about that. You know, mommy's got a plan for that. But I had no plan. (laughs) No, what the heck I was going to do. I had no plan, you know, so, but, but I, but I knew after that, like, I needed to get a plan. I needed to get a plan. And I wrote all about this in my book. Like I needed to get a plan. I needed to figure out what my plan was going to be. So she wouldn't be 25 and 30 and having to think about this. So that's the, the whole idea folks is that you start slow and you don't have to have a plan tomorrow, but you start building this plan. And some of it's about the documents, but some of it's also about your family and the people in your neighborhood and, you know, just pulling together the professionals in your life. And some of those people are going to work out and some of them are not, and they're going to go by the wayside and you're going to just kind of ebb and flow through the years and you're just going to keep building and planning is a muscle and you, you build that muscle over time. Mm. Yes. I love that. Wait, you said that you wanted to talk about an able account. Yes. I've heard of that. So I, I need you to tell me about that. Okay. So able accounts are not trusts, but they are magnificent and they are accounts that also do not count against that $2,000 asset limit. And so they have, um, some wonderful features that you can, um, put in a certain amount of money every year up to a hundred thousand dollars in order to not not disqualify you from social security and up to $400,000 to not disqualify you from Medicaid. And so this year it's $17,000 a year from all sources. You can only have one per social security number. So um, not every state has its own ABLE account, but you can contribute to other states ABLE accounts. So if you go to the ABLE account, there's a national ABLE account um, 
the National ABLE account uh, website that gives you all the information. I'll send you the link so you can give it to your folks um, in the show notes. Um, and there's also some really good information at different ABLE account sites. So the two best ones are Virginia's, which is ABLE Now, and um, the Stable account in Ohio. Those were the early ones that got started. So um, Stable in Ohio was the first one, and they have a lot of really great uh, tips and information. It's a triple bonus. So the money that goes in is transfer penalty free. It builds in their income tax free. So it earns interest and dividends, penalty in interest tax free. Yes, does that make sense? Yes. So income tax free on the interest. And then when it comes out, if it comes out for um, qualified um, disability, Blah. You know what? I've been talking all day, so I'm like losing my <laughs> train of thought here. But um, for for disability um, qualified distributions, which is almost anything, as long as it's not a luxury purchase. So it can come out for rent. It can come out for health care. It can come out for transportation. It can come out for travel. It can come out for um Therapy, it can come out for, you know, I don't know, like just about anything. I mean, anything but recreation, anything but not, you know, a diamond ring. Um, but, you know, it can come out for daily living expenses, food, just about anything. Then those qualified disability expenses, QDE, it comes out tax free as well. And none of that counts against Social Security or Medicaid. So it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And then you don't need a lawyer for that. It's just a bank account set up at these vendor sites. So Stable Now, I mean, Stable in Ohio, Able Now in Virginia, depending on, you know, what state you're in, um, if your state has one. And you can set them up in other states, too. And most of them are online, just an online account. Just open it up. If my state has one, can I still, I'm in Texas, can I still go to Ohio's? Yes. Do I have to be in Ohio to go to Ohio's? Nope. So my state of Massachusetts has one, but I don't prefer it because it's quite clunky. So I set mine up for all the people I'm guardian for. I set mine up in uh, Ohio, because I like stable account the best. Well, now I'm dying to know who all, I mean, how many people are you guardian for? A few. You <laughs> have <laughs> a very important job. Thank you. Okay. Well, I am just so grateful for you. I feel like I learned so much. Thank you. Well, you know, I could go on for days about this stuff. I love my job. I have the best job ever on the <laughs> planet. Um, so I do hope that we can get people to come to our webinar because there'll be a lot more information. And the first day is going to be all about the basics. And we're going to dig in a little bit more about special needs trusts. So they'll get even more information about what makes a special needs trust so special. I love that. Thank you for providing your wisdom and for sharing it with us. I feel so honored. 
Well, as you know, I love talking to you. So thank you so much for your mama systems. You're so welcome. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.